Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Coors Field in Colorado. It's the Cleveland Guardians 7, the Colorado Rockies 5. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. Hey, you know what? I haven't mentioned it in a while, but we do have some show merch. If you're interested, we've got high-quality premium t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more for men, women, and kids. We've got two different t-shirts, sweatshirt. You can put the design on anything. We've got the uh, the show logo t-shirt, which was the original t-shirt. And then, you know, the fans of this show are known as the morning people. So we've got the I'm a morning person t-shirt. If you're interested, it really is. It's a really nice t-shirt. My, my logo shirt is like top three rotation for my t-shirts right now because it's, it's good stuff. I wasn't sure when I went with this uh, company you know, this online seller, what the shirts would be like. And it turns out it's good stuff. So show off your pride for Cleveland baseball and really help the show grow. Uh, you know, wear the shirts around town. People ask you, hey, what is that? This is a great podcast I listen to. So the link is in the show notes. It's my pinned tweet on Twitter at Davey Barris. Go check it out if you want a nice Cleveland baseball t-shirt. I've got some other designs in mind. I've got some, I'm thinking some player-specific designs in mind. So uh, I may try to put those together this summer. Uh, I'd love to do a, you know, like a King Quan type shirt or something like that. Uh, home run pitch uh, t-shirt or something like that. Things that uh, Guardians fans would really get and understand. So check it out. Check out uh, clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com if you're interested in a show t-shirt. All right. Let's get into the storylines of this game. And, you know, sometimes the reason we're so big on storylines here on the podcast is because sometimes a storyline lasts longer than a game, you know? Sometimes it lasts an entire series. And right now we have a storyline going on that's lasting this entire Rocky series. And that is sloppy baseball. I mean, really, really sloppy, not major league level baseball. I mean, this is some this is some minor league, this is some high school, this is some Sunday morning softball type stuff here. I mean, there was some huge, huge sloppy plays by both teams that led to a lot of runs coming into score in this game. You know, it went back and forth. At one point, we're down four to two. Then we're up uh five to four, we're up six to four. Eventually we have to tack on an insurance run in the ninth inning. Um, so yeah, so there was some really, really sloppy baseball here. And let's get into it. There, there's other things that happened in this game. Believe me, there's some big moments that happened in this game. One of them involves Stephen Kwan and the legend of Stephen Kwan. We're going to get to that moment. But let's talk about the slop first because it leads to so many runs early in the game. After the Guardians go up one nothing in the second, bottom of the second inning, with two outs, Pilkington gets one hit back to him. It's hit to his right towards down the third baseline. He ranges to his right. The lefty has to make a really awkward throw. That is a really awkward footwork and throw, and he makes it even more awkward. Somehow he ends up with his feet square to first base, throws while falling away instead of just getting the ball, turning, stepping and throwing, you know, putting a little bit into the throw. He almost throws like he f- wants to do a trust fall into Ernie Clement's arms, uh, falling away from first base. What does he do? He spikes the throw. Of course he does. With that kind of footwork, with that, you know, with those hips, of course, all you're going to do is spike that throw. 
So he spikes it. It goes out in a right field. Oscar Gonzalez is 10 miles away because, you know, Colorado is such a huge park. Naylor, then, you know, the sloppiness continues. So runners are on the corner, by the way. So the first run comes into score, all with two outs. The runner from first just keeps running. Naylor goes chugging out there. Frankly, we all want Naylor to be healthy, right? We all do. He's not. He's. It looks so painful watching him run. He could still hit the ball. He could still play first base. But watching him run it physically hurts to watch. Uh, so he goes chugging out there. Gonzalez comes running in. For some reason, Naylor, being a slightly more veteran than Gonzalez, is able to call him off and then gets the ball, spins, throws, doesn't really have a chance of making a play at the plate. I don't know if they would have got the runner coming all the way around from first to come in to score, but that's not Naylor's ball to get. It's not Naylor's ball. Gonzalez is coming in. He sees the play. He sees the runner. His hips are already squared to home plate. He's already lined up for a throw. Naylor has to pick it up, spin, and fire at the same time. He's never going to make as accurate a throw as Gonzalez is coming in. He's got to peel off there. Unless you have a significantly stronger arm. Right? If that was Rishi Palacios, maybe fine. Palacios has a kind of a noodle for an arm. I get it. But Gonzalez has a rocket of an arm. So what are you waving him off for, Naylor? So two sloppy moments on the same play lead to two runs coming in in the bottom of the second. And now the Guardians are down. Pilkington kind of puts himself in that hole. He could have gotten out of the inning. Um, Next inning, bottom of the third inning. Wild pitch, runner on third. Wild pitch brings in another run to score. He just spiked the fastball. I mean, that's going to happen, but it adds up in all these sloppy plays. And then, again with two outs, a pop-up to Mercado with a runner on third base. He waves off uh, Ahmed Rosario, who was trying to get under it. Frankly, where Mercado ends up dropping it and where Rosario originally called for the ball were two different spots in the outfield. So I don't know if Rosario would have made that catch. I'm assuming he would have drifted there and made the catch. But Mercado calls him off. Usually the outfielder coming in, that is the right play. Usually it is. Mercado made the right baseball play. But for some reason, he ends up a step short. And this thing hits off the heel of his glove. And he just drops the pop-up. He just drops it. Mercado... Mercado is, I will tell you, Mercado usually is very reliable defensively. And that was just a sloppy play. And it kind of ruins it. I mean, he he actually gave himself a chance in this game by going two for two at the plate. He actually has a good offensive day off the lefty after we all kind of crushed Francona for putting out this same lineup against a left-handed starter. He actually goes two for two with an RBI in this one uh, and with a double. So uh, we, you know, he kind of ruins an offensive day by making this error in left field, and it's a good thing that we got him out of the game because it allows Quan to come in and make the catch of the year. So uh, yeah, more sloppy there in the bottom of the third, and now they're up four nothing. Two more sloppy plays. You know, the wild pitch doesn't really count as an error, but it is an error on the field, right? It's not an error in the box score, but it's an error on the field, and two more runs come in. Now, and the other thing about this is the Guardians scored in the top of the second, in the top of the third. Now, one of the things you've got to do as a starting pitcher, right? When your team scores, go put a zero up on the board. Man, that sends such a ripple through the dugout, right? Sends such confidence through the team. If you score and then put up a zero. If you score and then you let them put up a crooked number, 
boy, that's really hard for a team to climb out of. You know, the, the Guardians actually showed a lot of fight in this one, climbing out of that 4-2 hole that they put themselves in. So now it's time for Colorado to get a little sloppy. Uh, in the top of the fifth inning, with uh, Ahmed Rosario and Jose Ramirez on first and second, they go for the double steal. And the catcher for the Rockies just, I mean, just rockets a throw in the left field. Uh, Diaz, the catcher, uh, not even close. Not even close to third base. I mean, just sails this one out in the left field. So, Amin Rosario comes in to score. All right, there we go. Uh, the Guardians are on the board. Um, they would actually score three runs uh, in the top of that inning, uh, in the top of that fifth inning. It was a good offensive inning uh, for the Guardians. Um, and then in the sixth inning, a wild pitch this time. By the uh, by, the Rockies. Uh, who made that wild pitch? It wasn't Gomber, the starter. It was Smith, the reliever who came in after Gomber was out. Uh, Smith with a wild pitch, and he lets a run come in to score. Ahmed Rosario comes in to score um, in the top of the sixth inning. It looked like a slider. It looked like a slider down in the dirt that skids away, and Rosario comes in to score. So another run coming in to score on a wild pitch. Uh, both wild pitches in this game are with a runner on third base and lead to a run. So more sloppy play. Now, something that didn't really show up in the highlights, but I definitely saw live in the game, is that both corner outfielders for the Rockies pinned themselves against the wall. They both went back. Connor Joe in left field and uh, who was in right field? Grichik in right field. Both end up going back on fly balls and pinning themselves against the outfield wall. It's something we've talked about here, a little bit of outfield play, right? You've got to recognize when you're burned, and then you've got to get in position for that ricochet, right? You've got to step back and get ready for that ricochet so you can get the ball, recover the ball, and get it in quickly. Both corner outfielders for the Rockies pin themselves against the wall. The ball scoots away from them, probably gives the Guardians another base uh, you know, the hitter another base, whether it's stretching a single into a double or a double into a triple, and uh, more sloppy play. That's sloppy play right there by the corner outfielders for the Rockies. And then uh, finally, my last sloppy moment of the day is uh, Iglesias, Jose Iglesias, the base running for the Rockies. Not only is he caught stealing second base, all right, it happens, but then he's picked off first base. And so that's sloppy base running by Iglesias, giving himself up twice on the base path. So, yeah, it's a rough day all around for sloppy baseball. I'm sure there were more things in there. You know, the highlights can only cover so much. My memory of last night can only cover so much, uh, you know, between playing with the dog and playing with the baby and cooking dinner and watching TV with my wife, you know. My eyeballs can only observe so much, and I'm sure there were other sloppy moments that you're thinking of that uh, that I'm not remembering this morning. But that's the storyline of this game. It's sloppy baseball. Luckily, the Guardians are able to come out on top of it. Now, there's other big moments in this game that I definitely want to go over. Um, you know, first off, we got to give a shout-out to the Rockies City Connect uniforms. We've seen a bunch of these City Connect uniforms. Some are thumbs up, some are thumbs down. I got to say, for me, these Rocky uniforms are a huge thumbs up. These things are in fuego. These things are so cool and sharp. I love the color of green they chose. I love how it fades up into the mountains. That is a cool jersey. 
It's got, you know, got cool patches on it that have to do with the trails up there in Colorado. Um, you know, I, I love it. I love these uniforms. These are really, really sharp. The Angels uniforms that they just unveiled, not as sharp. Like, they're interesting, but they're not really, they don't really pop like these. These are like, whoa, in a good way, right? We've seen some of these City Connect uniforms where we're like, yeah, I don't know about that. Whoa, in a bad way. When are they going to do the Cleveland one? When are the Cleveland City Connect uniforms coming? What, we're not big enough market? What, you know, we're not going to sell enough jerseys here? It's not worth your time? Come on. I think it's time for Cleveland to get their City Connect jerseys, see what kind of crazy design they would do for Cleveland. Please, please do not make it rock and roll themed. We get it. We're the rock and roll capital. We get it. It's been done to death. It's been done so many times. The Cavs one, you know, was kind of inspired last, was that last two years ago? Was kind of inspired, like, each letter in Cavaliers was a different logo from a different band or something like that. It's been done to death. Find something else about Cleveland. The Crooked River. I, I don't care. Lake Erie. The National Parks. Find something else about Cleveland. I think we have more churches per capita than any city in the entire country. Like, there's weird, random things. Make it about pierogies. I don't care. Just don't make it about rock. Like, find something else about Cleveland besides rock and roll that we can all be proud of, right? Make it about lake effect snow. You know, Who knows? You get creative with it. Come on. So we'll see what they come up with for the Cleveland. Actually, lake effect snow would be cool, right? If it looked like a blizzard coming in across the jersey, that'd be kind of cool. Um, all right, Nike, if you're listening, like effect uniforms. We need them. All right, uh, so that was the first thing I noticed. Uh, we got to see the Rockies City Connect jerseys. Um, Oscar Gonzalez. Oscar Gonzalez did not have a great day at the plate. He eventually does get an RBI on a sack fly. I think that was that ninth inning RBI after Rosario had tripled. Um so he drives in the run there. He did walk as well. So he was on base. He ends up scoring a run. So he contributed offensively. Only one hit hard ball, uh, hard hit ball for Oscar Gonzalez. And frankly, I saw him swinging outside the zone a lot. And that is actually something that we can look at. Um, let's look at his swinging strikes on the day. And yeah, I've got three sliders that are way off the plate. I mean, way off the plate. In the third inning, he swung at one that almost hit him on the hip. Uh, in the uh, first inning, on a 2-2 count, he swung at one that almost hit him in the foot. Remember, this is from a lefty, so these sliders are breaking in on him. And then in the sixth inning, off the reliever, Chad Smith, he swings at one down in the dirt. He also uh, swung, at a, swung and missed in a knuckle curve. That one was in the strike zone. So those are his swings and misses on the day. And he is chasing a ton of stuff out of the zone right now. Now, we knew this about Oscar Gonzalez. We knew he was ultra aggressive, does not take walks. But, you know, earlier in the season, he was fouling these things off, which is how he survives. Gonzalez would foul these pitches off until he got a pitch to hit. And then, you know, he would make some hard contact on the field, usually shoot a ground ball through somewhere. That's how he got this batting average up over 300, 400 at one point, right? Now he's swinging and missing. And I just want you to see the comparison. It's not fair to compare him 
to Jose Ramirez. But frankly, I couldn't think of another hitter. The Guardians hitters are either fantastic at you know protecting the strike zone or they're terrible. There's like no middleman on the Guardians roster who's gotten enough at bats. So yes, I'm going to compare him to Jose Ramirez here. It's not fair to Gonzalez, but I just want you to see the difference in the numbers. So Oscar Gonzalez outside the zone swing. According to Fangraphs, this is the amount of times he swung at pitches outside the zone, the O swing. 45.1% of the pitches outside of the zone he's swinging at. Ramirez, it's only 31.5% of the pitches outside of the zone that he swings at. Okay, so obviously a little better eye there. Almost 15, you know, 14% better uh, eye there, right? Between Ramirez and Gonzalez. Now, here's the big thing. When he does go out of the zone, Oscar Gonzalez is making contact with the ball 61.6% of the time. When he's swinging outside of the zone, that's how much he's make, actually making contact with the ball. When Ramirez swings outside of the zone, he's at 84.7% contact. That's the difference. If you are going to go outside of the zone, you're going to have to at least get a piece of it. So that's a huge difference, and you can see it. The strikeouts are starting to you know, rack up for Oscar Gonzalez. And uh, yeah, he goes out of the zone here pretty bad in this game. Uh, how many strikeouts did he have on there? He only has one strikeout on the day, but definitely some really, really bad swings. Uh, that one slider, by the way, in the dirt is the wild pitch that allowed Ahmed Rosario to come in and score. Uh, so, yeah, so he is swinging at some bad pitches right now. That's definitely something I noticed on this day. All right. Uh, Mercado, like I said, he does go two for two on the day. Frankly, you know, I got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, I was I was pissed that uh, Andres Jimenez was not in this lineup. I can't believe that's not what we're starting talking about. I was really pissed that Andres Jimenez was not in this lineup again. Naylor is Naylor is terrible against lefties, and then yet again he ends up hitting one uh, one off of Gomber. He hangs him a slider and right down the middle, and he drills it for an RBI double. So I want to crush him, Naylor. I can't. He he terrible in his first two at bats. The third at bat, he finally delivers at RBI. I think that was in that three-run, uh, what was that, the fifth inning or the sixth inning for the Guardians? The fifth inning. Uh, Mercado, same thing. I want to crush him, but he got two fastballs from the lefty. Uh, in the uh, second inning, it's a fastball right down the pipe, just just left of center, just slightly off center, off center of the plate in on uh, Mercado. It's a fastball, and he ropes it out there for an RBI, uh, brings in the runner from third, and then uh, gets another one, gets his double in the fourth inning on a 1-0 count, takes an inside fastball, and drives it out there to left field as well. So I got to give Mercado credit offensively on the day. I still think he's the guy that's gone when Reyes is back, but he's doing just enough to hang on. Like By a thread, Mercado's hanging on with offense like this. Uh, moving on in this game, we get a run early in the game on an Ahmed Rosario home run. Uh, I believe it might have been to kick off the, uh, uh, was it to kick off the scoring or was it to tie it up at 2-2? Uh, let's take a look here. Uh, the home run comes in the third inning, 103.4 miles per hour, 447 feet, a one. 100 expecting 1000 expected batting average 
uh, it was guarantee home run, no matter what ballpark he hits this in. Amin Rosario absolutely crushes one to left center. Now, in his first at-bat, he did fly out 362 feet to left field. Uh, that was a 38-degree launch angle. This one was a 32-degree degree launch angle. That one in the first inning was 91.3 mile per hour exit velocity. So he hits it a little bit harder, a little bit straighter, and he finally gets his first home run on the season. So what's interesting is in his first at-bat, he tried the same thing, right? And what's interesting is that they said in warm-ups, he was, he was working on this. He was... You know, he was working on hitting the ball to left field. Uh, he was working on uh, driving the ball like this. Uh, in the first inning, it's a knuckle curve that he flies out on. And here's the difference. In, this, in the uh, third inning, it's a changeup. And I'm talking right down the middle. Yeah, and that's going to help Ahmed Rosario really drive that ball. I mean, that's a location anybody's hitting in. Uh, so the knuckle curve he flies out with, the changeup is the one he absolutely blasts. And he was working on this. Uh, Valeka told him, like, you have power. You are you are a strong dude. If you want to take a few home run swings, you can take a few home run swings. So he was working on it, and it pays off. I'm Rosario gets his first home run of the season. Um, we talked about Naylor's terrible at-bats until he finally gets a hanging slider that he drives for an RBI double off the wall. Another situation where a Rockies outfielder kind of pins himself against the wall there. So Naylor, I want to crush him, but again, he in the, I think he did this last time we were facing lefty, where, I mean, he had two terrible at-bats, and they're throwing him away. If you look at the pitch chart for Naylor, it's a ton of sliders down and away, trying to you know sweep across the zone on him, trying to get him to reach outside of the zone, a couple of curveballs down and away, fastballs on the outside edge. Clearly pitching him away. This one slider that he hits for double is the one that doesn't go away. It comes right down the middle, just below the letters, and he absolutely smokes it uh, out into uh, right field and off the wall. What was the exit velocity on that for uh, for uh, Josh Naylor? 94.2, so just under a hard hit ball. And actually only had an expected batting average of 240, surprisingly. Um, so, yeah, so Naylor's able to contribute. All right, we've made it up to Quan's catch. Bottom of the seventh inning. Two outs. I believe there were runners on the corner. And Quan just, it's unbelievable. Off the bat, there's no way I thought he had this ball. We've talked about it before where sometimes you see it in outfielder's eyes. They had it the whole way. I did not see that in Quan's eyes. I saw a guy that was going to hustle and give everything he had, every ounce of hustle, every inch of reach that he had and sure enough he sticks the glove out there he goes full extension and comes up with the ball doesn't even snow cone it comes up with the ball uh on the broadcast you know they have that instant kind of stack cast reaction he covers 65 feet of ground he has about a four seconds to get under this ball to run this ball down that's kind of the hang time of the ball it had a 35 percent Catch probability. Um, that's just... Let's see what the expected batting average was on this one. It was a Glacius. It was 97.1 mile per hour exit velocity. It had an expected batting average of 350, so not a guaranteed hit, but still absolutely unbelievable by Stephen Kwan. And yeah, the legend of Stephen Kwan continues just when you think it's all about getting on base. 
he goes and does something like this and just blows us all away. I'm in awe of, you know, just the hustle, just the hustle to go after it, right? And someone else could have just pulled up, played this thing off the wall, got it back in. You had the lead at that point. No, full extension. He knows what it meant. There were runners on the corner. If he doesn't catch this ball, two runs probably come in and score. So it's an absolutely incredible catch by Quan. Who was pitching by the seventh inning? Who gave that up? Uh, Was that Sam? No, that was Trevor Steffen. Yeah, because Shaw pitches the eighth and Class A pitches the ninth. So that must have been Trevor Steffen on the mound. Uh, And yeah, Quan absolutely saves him. Well, speaking of the pitching, we should take a second to talk a little bit about the pitching. It's Pilkington against Gomber. Neither guy makes it out of the fifth inning and complete five innings. Uh, Pilkington goes four and a third, six hits, four runs, only two earned, a walk, and three strikeouts. He only lasts 69 pitches. He's only hard hit five times, but hey, those errors add up, man. Those errors really can put you in a hole, and that's what drives Pilkington out of the game. Gomber only lasts four and two thirds. He gives up nine hits. He gives up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hard hit balls, five earned runs, a walk, and four strikeouts, including the solo home run he gave up on 89 pitches. So neither one of the uh Neither one of the starters figure into the decision on this one. The win would actually end up going to Brian Shaw. Oh, I take that back. Gomber takes the loss on this one. He falls to three and seven. So he does figure into the decision. Um, yeah, but then the bullpen, Pilkington was struggling, wasn't as sharp, uh, didn't do some weak contact. I mean, his CSW numbers aren't anything, like literally just there's barely any swing and miss. It's a 19% whiff rate. It's only a 19% CSW total on the day. Uh, So, yeah, Pilkington really not impressing that much when it comes to getting strikes. I know there's more to pitching than that. Gomber, uh, his slider was very effective. Uh, 44% whiff rate on his slider. um, And then called strikes with his forcing fastball. He got 12 called strikes with his forcing fastball. So, it's a 26% CSW for Gomber, a little more respectable there as far as those numbers go, but it's not really a great start by either starting pitcher. Um, They both give up runs in their own ways, let's just say. Uh, The bullpen, though, from the Guardians definitely does a good job of shutting things down. Uh, Sandlin gets into a lot of trouble in that seventh inning, but Trevor Steffen is able, well, uh, Stephen Kwan is able to get him out of, let's face it, uh, Steffen was about to give up a two-run double. Uh, Kwan saves him from it being much worse. But De Los Santos goes an inning and a third, gives up two hits, but no runs. So good job by him. And then Shaw comes in, shuts him down in the eighth inning. Shaw is going to keep going out there because they're running out of setup men. They just, you know, besides Eli Morgan, they just don't have anyone they trust in those seventh, eighth eighth inning situations right now. So Shaw is going to keep getting opportunities. And he has a really clean eighth inning with a strikeout. And then Class A comes in. Does give up a hit, but again gets another double play. Man, this guy can rack up the ground balls. Another ground ball double play to end the game. Two nights in a row on only nine pitches to handle that ninth inning. Uh, Protecting a two-run lead. And uh, yeah, it's a good job by the Guardians bullpen to really pick up Pilkington after he can't last that deep in the game. So hopefully McKenzie can go pretty deep today. Uh, some afternoon baseball out there in Colorado. Hopefully he can go deep and save this bullpen a little bit. 
I feel like Kase's worked a lot lately, so maybe we can stretch this lead out and not make it a save situation and give Kase a day off before we got to go face the Dodgers. So that's all my thoughts on this one. We survive another sloppy one, right? We survive to fight another day. We add another win in that win column. MVP on the day? I mean, we haven't talked about it this much, but Ahmed Rosario, we talked about the home run, but he was having good at-bats all over the place. Three hard-hit balls on the day. Uh, both him and Jose Ramirez have seven hits combined between them and 10 at-bats. That's just incredible. Ramirez has four hard-hit balls on the day. He goes four for five. Rosario goes three for five. Uh, the reason I'm giving MVP on the day to Ahmed Rosario, though, is because he's responsible for four runs coming into score. Two huge extra base hits, the home run and the triple. He was a double away from the cycle. Uh, he does have an RBI as well. Ramirez, despite going four for five, does have a run scored, did have a double, didn't have any RBIs on the day. That's weird to see. Usually he's driving on the runs. Unfortunately, Rosario was on first every time he was up. Uh, and so, yeah, so uh, it's a great job by Armand Rosario being effective on the base paths, you know, leading, being the front end of that double steal. Um, you know, it's just a really great job uh, by Rosario of creating runs, you know, being a run creator on the day. Four runs coming across the score. Four of the seven runs were Ahmed Rosario crossing home plate. So MVP on the day. Look, I know Rosario isn't in your long-term plans for the Guardians, but he definitely has, he's been a good player since coming over in the Lindor trade. He has contributed offensively since coming over. Yes, he has his slumps. Yes, that batting average is like the Rocky Mountains with a huge peaks and huge valleys throughout the season. Um, but he's hitting 271 right now. It's only a 664 OPS. So it's not super impressive. It's a little bit of a mirage. He doesn't, you know, maybe he's not drawing enough walks, whatever. He's hitting the ball and he's hitting the ball hard. It's something he's always been able to do. His defense is suspect, but then he makes a play. I don't know if it was in this game or last night. It might have been last night. where I think it was where Clement pops one in the air. It kind of hits off Clement. And Rosario ends up catching it, I believe, barehanded and throws across the first to make the out. So in all that sloppiness, Rosario actually had a good defensive play in there. So, I mean, we got to give credit where it's due, right? When it's due, we got to give it up. And Rosario is on fire right now. He is playing good baseball right now. So, yes, Gabriel Arias or Jimenez might be your shortstop in the future. But we got to appreciate what Ahmed Rosario is giving us. I wish this guy would learn how to play first base or left field or something else. I wish it were possible. The Guardians front office and coaching staff wishes it were possible. But this is the situation right now. And at least Ahmed Rosario is being productive, right? At least he's being productive. It's not the situation you want, but at least it's still being productive and still contributing to this winning baseball team here. So, Ahmed Rosario, boy, was that a lot more, did I say more positive things or more negative things? I think more positive things there. It's MVP for the day segment, so I hope I'm saying more positive things about Ahmed Rosario. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Man, let's see if this thought, I don't want this storyline to continue. I have a sneaking suspicion it will, but I don't want it. I want the Guardians to have a nice, clean, error-free win. Let's get to some nice, clean afternoon baseball on this Thursday. Uh, like I said, McKenzie's up for the Guardians. 
Uh, he's going to be going against Cool for the Rockies, who is a righty, so Jimenez and Quan will be back in there in their normal starting spots. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Colorado. It's the Guardian 7, the Rockies 5. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. I was tweeting a ton last night during the game. I'm going to try again today during the game. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Uh, just like Chris did a few days ago, he ch- he responded back to me, reminded me he's from New Jersey. So Chris in New Jersey, uh, yeah, email in like him. If you've got deep thoughts, questions, whatever you want, we will discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Thank you.